be gone. So, yeah, that's uh, some of the announcements. So praise God for all the good stuff going on here at New Song Church and through our ministries here. We continue with our series today, our preaching series, 31 sermons through the Bible, using the chronological Bible, the story. If you haven't picked one of those up, they are in our bookstore. And you can, of course, order one on Amazon as well, on Amazon.com. But uh, the 31 sermons, we read chapter 10. This is, this is sermon number 10. And it's from 1 Samuel. And this, the um, sermon title for this time is Living Prophetically in Turbulent Times. Living Prophetically in Turbulent Times. I see the person of Samuel in 1 Samuel. He's the last judge. 350 years of the judges ruling Israel. Seesaw days. Sometimes they did great. Sometimes they did very poorly. Very turbulent times then. Samuel, the last prophet. I'm sorry, the last judge. But he, he's an amazing prophet. And I see Samuel's prophetic anointing as being a type of what God wants to do in all of his church globally in this hour. We are all called into the prophetic. And the main premise that I want to share, uh, my first talking point mentions it this way, the prophetic anointing is designed by God to thrive in turbulent times. Turbulent times, whether they're, it's a personal turbulent time in your family, in your job, in your own inner life, or if it's a politically global turbulent time or a national turbulent time, there is a special honing, a special clarifying, and a very special uh, amplifying of the prophetic anointing. Now, when we say a prophetic anointing, often we think of a five-fold ministry prophetic person, and we praise God for that office of the prophet, or someone who seems especially good at prophesying, but there is uh, a call for the whole church to be a prophesying community, and that's what I want to pack with you for this time together today from 1 Samuel. The prophetic anointing is designed by God to thrive in turbulent times. And in the story we're looking at, it's um, page 142, 142, paragraph 5 in the story, or in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 and following. Rather lengthy reading, but it's a very, very uh, powerful story. So listen to the voice of God on these words. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becheroth, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Please take one of the servants with you. Arise, go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalim. They were not there. 
Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but he did not find them. When they had come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Oh man, come let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. And he said to him, Hey, look now, there is in this city a man of God, and he's an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way, so, so we should go. Then Saul said to his servant, Well said, come on, let's go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. Of course, that's Samuel. And what's cool about this story is it continues, is that God had already the day before talked to, talked to Samuel and said, Hey, tomorrow about this time, there's this guy going to be coming by your house. He's looking for his, don his dad's donkeys, and he's the one I want you to anoint king over Israel. So Samuel and his servant arrive, and they ask, hey, where's the seer? And Samuel says, that's me, man. <laughs> I'm the seer. And he, he explains the problem, and, and Samuel tells him where the donkeys are. And then it says, by the, he says, by the way, you're going to hang out with me for a day, and tomorrow, you know, I'm going I'm to... Uh, uh, impart to you something. The next day, he, he pours all his oil on his head and says, your donkeys, that's it. here's where they are. They're okay. By the way, you're the, you're the next king of Israel. or You're the first king of Israel. You're anointed king of Israel and pours all his oil on him, which is a symbol of what? The Holy Spirit. So Saul was experiencing a turbulent time. Personally, I don't know if you've ever lost your keys when you really needed them bad. You know, you need to get to that appointment, no keys. I can't find my car keys. Or where did I put down my cell phone? Or where's my glasses? Or you lost something of supreme importance to you in the moment, and it produces an inner turbulence. Well, Saul's in this sort of a situation. He can't find his dad's donkeys. They're important for his dad's livelihood. He can't find them. It's a personal turbulence. And into that turbulence, the prophet Samuel speaks and gives him clarification of what is what, uh, the answer to the need, but also he gives him something even better and more exciting and grander in the scheme of God than just finding the donkeys. And I noticed this about the prophetic that when we're in turbulent times, the prophetic word comes forth and God is always speaking to us words of encouragement and inspiration that are way beyond what we are asking or even imagining. This is what happens to Saul. You're going to be king. You're a donkey searcher, but you're going to be king. And in your life, have you noticed that when you've been prophesied over, God always has things that are encouraging to you above and beyond what you're even hoping for. And that's what's awesome about our God. He's such an encourager to us, inspires and comforts us. Well, Samuel, this speaking into a turbulent time for someone is not foreign. It's not a new thing for Samuel. When we think of Samuel's childhood, you will remember that um, Samuel, Samuel's mom, Hannah, was uh, barren. And she had a calling of God on her heart to be a mom. And on one of the annual trips to to offer sacrifices uh, at, at where the Ark of God was, she was calling on God 
in the, in the presence of the ark. And Eli the priest noticed that she was so agitated that he thought she was drunk. He said, woman, um, put away your wine. This is disrespectful to the house of God. And she says, no, uh, Eli, here's how it is. Uh, I'm calling God for help. I am at my wit's end here. And she explains, I'm barren. And Eli says, prophetically, may God answer your prayers. Next year, she comes back and she says, I am presenting, as I promised, this baby to you. Now, here's where I want to go with that. Uh, I think, personally, that God gave Hannah a baby, baby Samuel, not because of her bargaining with him and saying, God's not up there saying, oh, goody, she's willing to give if I let her, if I cause her to, uh, her, her barrenness to go away and she comes forth with a child, um, she'll dedicate this child to me. Okay, now I'm going to give her a child. God doesn't, that's not God, I don't think. I don't think God operates that way. I think God gave the baby to Hannah, not because of her deal, but in spite of it. I don't think it had to happen, actually. I think Samuel could have come forth a different route, uh, having been raised in his home. But here's how it works out in the sovereignty of God. And God always uses, even when it's not immediately his will, he uses the tragedies and the turbulence of life to see his supreme will realized. So when he's probably four years old, he's weaned, he's bonded to his mom, she takes him to the priest and turns him over to this old guy to raise, who he doesn't even know. Now, can you imagine the inner turbulence of a little boy? It's hardly fathomable to me that this could happen to this little boy and in the name of God. And, uh, but it does. And Samuel, whether by, by uh, design by the Eli the priest or because he wanted to, I don't know, but he ends up, his bedroom becomes, he sleeps in the presence of the ark of God where the presence of God is at Shiloh. That's where he sleeps. That's where he stays. And in the night, in the presence of God, I think that... Um, I think that Samuel, even as a child, pressed into the presence of God. That's my thoughts on it. It's my opinion of this because, because uh, the Bible says God revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And you'll remember the story that Samuel, in the night watches, hears a voice. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And he runs to Eli a couple different times. Hey, what do you need? And Eli said, not me. And then finally Eli says, hey, it's, it, I think it's God. So say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel says, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And Samuel starts out of his own inner childhood PTSD dynamic. I mean, it's a hor horrific thing in his life. He gets comfort from the presence of God. He gets true, true comfort from the presence of God. In a turbulent situation... My friends, he is pressing into the comfort of God. And the word of God comes to him. And God always speaks prophetically to us when we are truly turning to him supremely for our comfort. He always speaks to us. And when we 
declare his word, what he speaks to us, whether for ourselves or for someone else. This, in this case, he was supposed to give Eli a message. And, and Eli, it was a turbulent message for Eli. He was saying, man, you're, you're done here in your ministry because your sons are wicked. And that must have been turbulent for Eli and Samuel, but the word of God had to come forth. But in, in these, this turbulent situation, this traumatic situation, the word of God was um, brought forth the presence of God, and the presence of God brought forth the word of God. So the application of this is God is always wanting to speak to us in truth and always wanting to give us messages to minister to other people. To speak prophetically means to share and declare for ourselves and others uh, truth from God's perspective, from God's viewpoint in the power of the Holy Spirit, to speak it forth, to see God's wisdom, to see God's, to see God's perspective, and to declare it is what the essence of the prophetic is. And it's not just for those with special prophetic gifts. This is for the church. Samuel is a symbol for the whole church. Turbulence. Israel was in turbulent times. They were having a hard time with the, with the, uh, with the um, Philistines. Hard time. They'd win some battles, some battles, and they said, wow, man, this is, this is too tough. We've got to have a king like everybody else. And Samuel said, that's not God's way for you guys. And they said, oh, come on, we've got to do this. So Samuel prays about it, and God says, you know, it's not my best will for them, but they're insisting, so I'll roll with that. And so they... So that's why they started this, uh, the, the king concept in Israel. But God, in this case, adjusts to their weakness, but ultimately he brings forth his will again. From Saul, then comes um, out of that King David, and out of David's um, comes the, the Messiah Jesus, out of David's seed. So The prophetic anointing is designed by God to thrive in turbulent times. I think of the Alameda fire and how Billy Graham, the Billy Graham Association chaplain who was there, speaking to a couple dozen of us pastors who were meeting with him and Franklin Graham's organization as well, how he said that they'd already won 11 people to Christ by asking them the question, as victims of the Alameda fire, do you have peace? And if not, would you like it? Because we can tell you how you can have peace. This is the voice of God out of a, out of a traumatic time. This is God's voice on their voice. It's a beautiful thing. The calling of the New Testament church is to be prophetic. We look at Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and following. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on just a few people to prophesy? No, to all, on all flesh, everyone born again. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, even your kids shall prophesy. That's how easy it is. Not just for fivefold ministry prophets, for even children. 
and on my men servants and on my maid servants. I will, I know, I love it that it says, it doesn't say sprinkle, doesn't say shower. It says, pour out my spirit. It's a deluge of his spirit in those days. And they shall what? Who is they? Everyone on whom he pours his spirit out, they shall prophesy. It's you and me, my friends. Whether we have the gift of it or not, we're all called to prophesy. Speak forth to ourselves what we hear in the secret place, what God whispers in our ear. We shout it from, them, from the housetops to others and to ourselves. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Would you agree with me that that's a turbulent uh, statement? <laughs> blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. It's in that context that he pours out his spirit and people prophesy. Often we think of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit the sign of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit being speaking in tongues, and certainly it was, but I know I noticed in at least one place in the book of Acts, it says, and they prophesied. So it's for new believers and newly baptized in the whole people in the Holy Spirit, not just for some prophetic elite of some kind, but it's uh, enhanced and strengthened by the turbulence. So take heart. If you are facing something in your health, if you're facing something in your family, if you're facing something in your job, if you're facing something with, in, in, your, in your experience of the election where you feel like uh, chaotic or like something, you know, here's what we do. We circle the wagons and retreat to the presence of God. And out of the presence of God, we have a clarifying of his word to us. We speak it forth to ourselves and others, and even more presence of God floods us. That's what he does. My second talking point is the prophetic anointing is designed by God to stir others up in their prophetic anointing. In the passage I just read, the prophet Joel that Peter is quoting when he says the, the, the sun is turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the the day of the Lord. He's quoting Joel, the prophet. The prophet Joel is stirring up the apostle Peter. And as Peter writes those words, he's stirring us up 2,000 years later. So you see, an, a, a, a prophetic uh, gift is meant to inspire others. I noticed when Marty Peterson's uh, prophetic ministry team, often after the 10... After the 11 o'clock service, she'll have a time of prophesying over to people, and one will prophesy, and, and then someone else on the team will say, yeah, I got that, and then they'll just key off of that or play off of that, and there's a, a uh, chemistry. And what we have in 1 Samuel 9, 14, we see the same thing. Let's look at 1 Samuel 9, 14, they, where one uh, prophetic uh, person stirs up someone else. We see that. So they went up to the city, and the, as they were coming into the city, there was Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, 
and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. Turbulence. For I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. So there's that seeking God's presence through prayer. Prayer isn't just for intercessors. Prayer is for all of us. Prayer is seeking God, turning to God in traumatic moments. So, verse 17. So, when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. And then Samuel invites Saul to hang out with him a couple days. What's going on there? Because he could just give him the word about being king and then go off on his way. He's a busy prophet. But he wants to hang out. Why? Because the prophetic anointing is not just word spoken. It is an impartation of atmosphere. A personal atmospheric environment is imparted to, um, to Saul because Samuel carries the anointing of God. You remember that, that when the, in the book of Acts, the, uh, the uh, Romans and the uh, the Jewish leaders took note that these disciples that were proclaiming with such power and authority the gospel that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. So being with the, pro- the prophet Samuel was part of the impartation to Saul. And being with a, a prophetic, powerful ministry is part and parcel of being stirred up to our own individual experience of seeing and speaking truth from God's perspective. That's what the five-fold ministry prophetic does in, in Ephesians 4. God's given the church apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Why? Because being in the community, being in the fellowship, these anointed leader servants inspire and are spark plug dynamics to get everybody being apostling and prophesying and evangelizing and pastoring and teaching so that everybody fully expresses the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. As he is in resurrection power, so are we in this world. We are the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus Christ, that's God's intention. And the fivefold ministry prophet, we have three, at least three in our fellowship. Mary Vaughn, Marty Peterson, and Jack Boger. And uh, I, I think Brenda is too. It's, in the, it's at key moments in our church's history. Brenda has, and I have prayed and there have been times I've even been headed in a different direction, but Brenda has expressed, this is what I feel God saying, Dan, please pray into it. She's been very submissive about it, very humble about it, but there have been key moments. I remember when we were um, deciding whether or not to go to Toronto to, to check into the Toronto blessing, the power and spirit of God that was poured out on millions of people at Toronto, and whether we should uh, check that out. And I was inclined to, no, it's expensive to travel, and I like, I like staying at home. And, and uh, there, was a, there was a point where it wasn't just Brenda giving me a, um, 
a uh, encouragement to do something, I, as I prayed about it, I knew that the voice of God was on her prophetic declaration of this is, this is something we really need to take seriously, this move of God that was happening. And those of you that were with us during the, that season know that our several visits to Toronto were hugely impacting for, as a spark plug for our church to move most, more profoundly into the presence of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was and continues to be uh, poured out on the earth to this day. Then, verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head. It wasn't just a little bit on his finger like we would do. <laughs> Dumping oil on his head. Kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today... You will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin and Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worried about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? After that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with stringed instrument, tambourine, and flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. See? Saul was going to be king. That was his role before God, his anointing, his calling. But he was imparted to a prophetic anointing by hanging out with Samuel and then a second wave of that impartation was meeting up with these prophets. And the word says that when that happens, that Saul himself began to prophesy. My friends, whether you are a governmental leader, whether you're a pastor, whether your primary calling is to be an amazing mother, if your calling is to be a mill worker, if your calling is to be an intercessor, if your calling is to be evangelist, if your calling is to serve in some way, whatever you might identify as what you feel most peaceful in God to be and to do, no matter what it is, you're going to be King Saul, but God's perfect will for you is to be you to be a prophesying king. No matter who, who you are or what you feel most peaceful to do, we must not relegate prophesying to the prophets because I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters, even children, are designed by God to being a part of the prophesying community, seeing and declaring truth from God's presence and God's perspective. Here's a few quotes from Four people that have been especially inspiring to me when it comes to prophesying. The first is someone you recognize, I think. <laughs> Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. This is a word to everybody. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may what? Prophesy. Then this from Jerry Cook. Prophetic ministry is seeing and speaking from God's perspective. That's something he said years and years ago. It's been part of my, it's in me that that's a, that's a definition. Totally impacted my heart and my life since I first heard that from Jerry Cook. 
Here's a good one from John Wimber. God puts his best gifts on the lower shelves where everyone can reach them. Then Steve Backlund. A personal atmosphere of encouraging others is always very close to the gift of prophesying and easily slips into a release of the gifts of prophesying. So just be an encourager and watch out. The Spirit of God will come on you and you'll, you'll find you're, you're, you're speaking to someone and they're hearing the voice of God on your words. My last point today, the prophetic anointing is very, very, very earthy. And I, I do not mean by that that earthy as in sinful or sensual. I mean earthy as in so regular. It's not for the relig- religious or the super spiritual. It is for everybody, just in the normal course of your life. Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. That you do as the occasion demands. Just do what you normally would do, what seems right to do, and in that context, you will find yourself prophesying. I like what it says in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, that verse. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it, for God is with you. Just Eli, the priest, to Hannah. May the God of Israel grant what you've asked. That was an encouragement, but no. It was a prophetic anointing. It was God's voice on his voice encouraging her. May God grant what you've asked. Two short stories, and then we're done. And I'm going to give you a chance to pray to receive Christ right at the end of this. But um, it's a regular, earthy thing. My first mentor in the gospel, the guy that baptized me, was Pastor Orville Leithesher. His wife, Ivory Leithesher, had pastored the church that my family was going to, just a small church, 50 people or so in Hawkinson, Hawkinson Community Church, Brush Prairie, Washington. And uh, he's the one that gave the announcement. Would you like anyone to want to be baptized? We're having a baptism service next Sunday. And I knew in my heart at the age of 16, it was my time to come forth as a, as a uh, Jesus person. And Pastor Leadership baptized me. And he saw, even though he himself did not have, anyone would say, no one would say he had a prophetic anointing, that he had some, was some kind of prophet. He, as a regular pastor type, observed or discerned in me something he wanted to invest in for, his, for the, the sake of the kingdom in the future. He invited me to live in a, a trailer on their property. And I did for a whole year. And I prayed with Pastor Orville Leithesher and his wife almost every night. His wife came out of the um, apostolic church in Portland, which is a, was a direct uh, uh, second-generation experience of Azusa Street Revival. So they're old-time Pentecostals, very classical Pentecostal people, but he discerned something in me that he invested in, and I'll always be grateful for that. And he invested in a young guy, uh, another young guy besides me, younger than me, 
and also that lived in the neighborhood and named Billy. And, and uh, Billy, I'm going to find something here. I didn't pay much attention to Billy because he was like, I think he was about 10 years younger than me. And I was, six, I was 16, 17 years old. I started this Christian coffee house when I was 17 with some of my friends to evangelize. And so we did that. And Orville, Leadlisher, started bringing Billy to our Saturday night music coffee house experience for young people. Orville was in his, I think, uh, early 70s at the time. <laughs> so here he'd come. He had a green charger. Lime green. <laughs> He's this old guy driving this lime green <laughs> charger. Uh, anyway, he bring this little kid, Billy. And I didn't pay much attention. I don't even remember a whole lot about it, but I, I got a text from Billy this morning, a message after not talking to him for almost 50 years. I want to read, it, read some of it to you. He says, uh, good morning, Pastor Dan. Not sure if you remember me. My name is Bill Smith, and as a kid, I went to the Love Shines Inn coffee house in Hawkinson. I used to ride there with Mr. Leadisher in his green Plymouth duster. So incongruous, Orville Lister with his green Plymouth duster. You were instrumental in planting the seed of the word and my earliest, earliest exposure to the spirit of God. I woke this morning thinking of you and your example. My wife and I are currently pastors of Exchange Church in Ridgefield, Washington. The seeds you planted as a young man are still producing today. Would love to reconnect and catch up in his service, Billy Smith. Isn't that interesting? Because the prophetic, God's prophetic word, whatever I said to him, whatever Orville said to him, was alive. And God's voice does not return to him void. His word doesn't return void. And it continues, even to this day. One final story. Charlotte Elliott was at her father's home for dinner one night when a traveling preacher, a friend of her father, joined the family for dinner. His name was Cesar Mahon. Maybe some relative of the Mahons back there. And he, at the dinner table, began to ask, um, began to ask Charlotte some very personal questions about her relationship with God. It was very awkward, and she was totally annoyed that he would mess with their dinner, family dinner like that. And... It's totally awkward, but he was faithful just to share because of what God was saying to him for her. Well, a couple days later, she shows up where he was staying, and she said, she was thinking about what he said, and she wanted to get right with God. Praise God for Cesar Mahon, his declaration to Charlotte. She said she wanted to cleanse her life before becoming a Christian. But Christian Mahon answered, just come as you are. Just come as you are. Just come as you are. And so she did. And she ended up writing the song, Just As I Am. Without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. 
just as I am, and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot. To thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many conflict, many a doubt, fightings within and fears without, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, will welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve. Because thy promise, I believe, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. I wonder if you would agree with me that Caesar Mahon made the right choice in being willing to even have an awkward moment at a dinner to go after what the, the word of God was out of his own experience of the Spirit, out of his own hearing the voice of God for someone in his, in, in his innermost being, declaring it to her, even though it was an awkward moment. He lived for an audience of one. All that mattered was what God thought. He declared it. She comes to Christ a couple days later, and ends up blessing through Billy Graham's uh, Crusades. This, you'll recognize, many of you will recognize this as the song that was sung at the end for years and years and years, bringing hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people to Christ. And this part of Billy Graham's ministry all comes back to a, a traveling pastor, unknown person, speaking prophetically, seeing and speaking from God's perspective. That's the role of the church a prophesying community. I'm going to give a, a chance to be saved right now. Just as I am, I come. Those in the audience here, let's stand. And those of you watching on channel 11 at 11 or watching uh, on our YouTube channel, if God's speaking to you today, this is your day. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Romans 10 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And it goes on to say, as it says two other times in, all, in the New Testament and in the Bible, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. So there at home, watching on channel 11 at 11, or watching our YouTube channel today, those in the audience here today, will you declare this with me right now? Say this after me. Very simplest of salvation prayers. Say this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I call upon you to save me with all my heart right now. I confess you as my Lord and I always will. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I am saved. I am born again. I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus Christ in my heart. Now, my friends, here's what I want you to do for follow-up. God wants to follow up with you. He has brought a Christian friend into your life already, or if not, he soon will. Watch for him. And that Christian friend, identify him right now and then text him today. Text him or call him or her right now. A Christian friend friend you respect and tell them you ask Jesus Christ into your heart they will help you to grow in your friendship with Jesus your relationship with Jesus they've already been praying for you to be saved you were born from above just now let them know they'll disciple you into a wonderful amazing future in the resurrection presence of Jesus Christ and the fullness of the Holy Spirit God bless you thank you for being with us today amen
Thank you, friends, for being with us here. God bless you all.